This is a serious sermon, and I'm just getting ready to get with it. Um, we, uh, we, have, we have some places we need to go, and uh, we, need to, we need to get a little traction. And uh, so I want you to know that uh, we, we're all on, the same, all on the same page. And uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with this shirt. I think I'm going to throw it right here. And I can't do my sermon without my coat on because this has got all my junk in it, just in case I need it. Men do not carry purses. And when they stop wearing suit coats, it's really a handicap. So that's the reason I decided when we went casual, I would still wear my jacket because I may need something up here, okay? You know, it's just like, and then my pen and my, all my stuff. Can you read that? Can you read that? Thank a teacher. No, that's a, that was an old one. And you may be able to tell that we are emphasizing this month, love God, love others. Uh, Matthew twenty-two, thirty-six, and following. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. The great commandment that Jesus gave there is companion to the great commission, which he gave later, and it's recorded several places. I have for us today Matthew 28, therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This month we are emphasizing the simplicity and we want to affirm the simplicity of the gospel message. Release us to do it better. I think the goal if we're not going out of, out of the metro area as a missionary, the goal is to have the beautiful feet, the beautiful knees, and the beautiful hands that Brad spoke of. Uh, that's, a, that's a great picture. The five things that every healthy church does, which is to grow the, the personal uh, spiritual growth of the membership, the worship, the connection to each other, or fellowship, the going next door, across the aisle, or around the world, and serving. The, the poor serving each other's washing feet can be summed up in our, in our motto, love God, love other ways. One of the things that's on my heart when we start talking about church growth is that I want to stay out of the way of Jesus as he builds his church. I don't want to stop. It would be so crazy to give your life working for the Lord and do something stupid that just keeps his work from getting done well. And so I think maybe the good way to stay out of his way is to love God and love others. I first want to visit this. The world has a skewed view of God. We're talking about loving God. Well, let's look at 
at the way the world sees God. Some see God as good to everyone, like a Santa Claus, and you found out when you were a little kid that Santa Claus is wishy-washy. He brought you stuff even when you were bad. Remember that? Some people believe that God is mean to everyone, like a mad tyrant. Um, that, that's that guilt thing, uh, that, that phobic fear kind of thing. You need to keep moving because if you stay still very long, God's great big fist will just come down on you. Then there'll be nothing left but a greasy spot. Some think that God is so distant he doesn't count in our world, but he does exist. And others say there is no God. The thing that we run into most often is a form of that first point. God is good and he's like a Santa Claus. And people take that and turn it around a little bit and project this goodness on themselves. And their mean is everything if they want to be. But they had a good thought fairly frequently through their life. And so God is going to, he is going to watch and get those good motives as infrequent as they might have been. And he's going to pull them all together. And when they get to stand in his presence, he's going to project that all on them and take them into heaven. Now, they didn't learn that out of scripture. That's purely a creation of humankind. We all have that natural legalism. We say it another way. There is no free lunch. But if I can get enough kind of like kind thoughts and, and concern about human trafficking or some problem in the world, then that counts. And you know what we're going to be judged by is our works. What'd you do, Turkey? Well, I, I meant to do good. No, 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 no. Okay. Number two, the world has a skewed view of self and other people. Some people think that everyone is out to get me. And of course, they're probably right. Um, <clears throat> some people think that uh, everyone is good and would be really good if their mothers hadn't potty trained them poorly. Some people think that everyone is uh, good if there are not two great differences between the, uh, the socioeconomic levels. And if, if you could just get rid of all this strata, everybody would just be really good and just work really hard for the good of, of everyone. And we tried that for 70 years in the USSR and proved there and many other places in the world that if you don't give us a little incentive to work, we won't. And so, uh, but, but there are many people that uh, still just love that thought. Others think that um, anyone that is different from the way I am is bad. If you're not like, if you don't think like I do, and if you don't vote like I do, or you don't shop where I do, or you don't just kind of run your life the way I do, you are really suspect, if not just downright evil. But then you know how you are, so you know I'm right. Number three, Jesus had this to say, God so loved the world Now, see, I didn't list that in the, the way the, the world sees God. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God became a farmer. He planted the most valuable seed he had in the ground of this earth and expected a harvest 
that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus said in another way, he said, I have come that they, everyone, might have life, life with a capital L. Now we're getting down to the nitty gritty of what the scripture says. God has something that he wants to give to us and we'll talk about how we can make uh, this relationship work in just a minute. Jesus also said, whoever does not believe in him and believe is not mental assent. Well, sure, I believe in God. You live like an atheist. No, you don't believe in God. That's not, not according to the definition of this word. And the scripture is talking about a continual believing in a way that changes your lifestyle. And we don't do that in America because we just want everybody to be uh, okay. And so you believe that uh, Jesus is the Son of God? Sure. I've, some people might, and, and quite a few, might believe that he's born of a virgin, might believe that he died, that, that, and many, many believe that he rose from the dead and they're going to go straight to hell. And that really stinks because we have told them that's all it takes. And I don't think we're going to get off the hook that easily if we don't kind of get the message that God has a lifestyle for you. Come along and let's discover it together. Whoever does not believe in a sense of changing. By the way, the, the etymology, the, the background of the word believe, it, it originated in the Anglo-Saxon uh, world and it means to live by, it's a compound and the leave is live and be is by. And if you believe, that means you move over to live by this new thing in which you believe. It is a change. It is a turn. And that is really, really important. Now, according to scripture, the world is so very lost how shall we, and I'm talking about inside these walls, how shall we make a difference? Is it possible that the bunch that's here, the few hundred sitting with you in this room can change the direction of Lee Summit, Independence, Blue Springs, all of Eastern Jackson County and impact beyond that on the local scene? Can this bunch do that? Can you do it in your neighborhood? Can this church do it in it, its neighborhood, our neighborhood? Okay, let's just take a look at this. We know that people have these good little streaks. If you can set them up just right, they'll help you out. They, they will give to a They'll give to a charitable cause, as long as it doesn't change their lifestyle. Discretionary funds, they, they'll be glad for it to go over there. We know that when it comes to giving themselves to God, they just freak out. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Nobody is going to tell me what to do. And that's an attitude that is in, in your little tiny kid. You, you know that you loved that kid 
you prayed for him all the while he was uh, in the womb. And then when he was born, you've prayed for him. And sure as the world, one of the very first words he will say, and the first word definitely that he will say with this much gusto is mine. And you didn't teach him that word. You taught him to say, da, 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 da. And ma, 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 ma. But you didn't teach him to say, mine. He had that on his own. He came equipped with that. And we know that that's the way we are. And we know that we are fine if you don't push us too far. Or if you can challenge us to pull us out and get some of this good going in us, we're okay. But when it comes time to die, we in the church don't want to do that. So how are we going, how are we going to make this mark, change these lives, see these people converted that just grew up with that little fist up in the air that says, mine. And, and you know, they cover it over so that they can have interpersonal relationships that are worth having. You cover all this over, but you know it's in there. And it is in there. How can we do that? What do you do when the need seems greater than the supply? What is the key to fulfilling our divine purpose in this life? Our divine purpose corporately and our divine purpose individually. How is the answer activated? All right, here we go. What do you do when you want to be more, do more, reach more, make more of an impact. Okay, let me give you a picture before I answer that. Large crowd. In the scripture, it's called a multitude. It was over 5,000 people. These people have been with Jesus all day. It's, it's uh, just about evening. And the 12, the scripture says, come to Jesus and say, send the crowd away. So they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we're in a remote place here. They're going to have to scatter out everywhere because nowhere has enough food. There's no caterer that can get the stuff in here. And we couldn't afford it if they could. So if they scatter out, maybe they can all get something. And you know what Jesus said? You feed them. I love it. Oh, man. You give them something to eat. So let me, let me help you with this. How are we going to do this? What are we going to do? What's the answer to, to breaking through in our, in our mission right here, right now, in this part of the middle of the U.S.? We're going to have to get into the kingdom of God. It's upside down. For instance, to have, you give. That's upside down. To live you lay down your life. To lead, you serve. Would you like to have that again? Because I know that's hard to memorize because it is counterintuitive. But it's the kingdom way. This is the kingdom of God. This is the way the kingdom of God operates, the way God thinks. God never views the success of a tree by its size. Stay with me. He is only concerned with fruitfulness. 
You remember the fig tree? It was cursed because it was only there in the garden to take. It was not being what it had been created to be, and that is fruitful. How many of us live less than blessed lives because we haven't entered into our kingdom with its call to fruitfulness? A blessed life does not start by looking into someday, making grand promises of what you will do one day, how one day you'll serve or what you will give someday. A blessed life starts with what you have. What do you have? You give them something to eat. We always want to focus on the lack of supply and the greatness of need. Uh, Brad demonstrated that so perfectly with the, the paradigm of the, of the Argentine church. We are too poor. We can't. And he pulled them out with the power of the Holy Spirit and other good leaders and put the lie on that whole deal. And giving few thousand and then maybe a few hundred thousand, I'm sure that first hundred thousand was a big deal, but, but that million dollar mark was like, <laughs> what? We, as poor as we are, gave a million bucks and it didn't change my lifestyle much. Some of those who were the givers and, and, and they're making this shit. This is so cool. I love it when God sends someone to pull us out and change us and get us into God's kingdom. You see, God does not just focus on the lack of supply, the greatness of the need. What he sees is no need is too great. And our supply is limitless. Limitless. So Jesus now is about to feed a multitude. And this is a far greater than just a display of a, a compassionate miracle. It's a prophetic principle for us to follow to fulfill our purpose as a church. We look at our world around us and, and have reason to be overwhelmed. The need is so great. And if people are open because of their brokenness, their brokenness is so great that it just intimidates the tar out of us. If you're not from Oklahoma, that means we are really intimidated. And here is what Jesus says. We must realize that what we have and who we are is more than enough for God to do what he wants to do if we will give it completely in his hand. Now, they brought to Jesus, when he asked what they had, a pitiful little lunch. It's just it's like this... And, and the, the disciples understood how small it was because when they brought it to him, one of them said, but, but what is this with so many? They understood this is pitiful. And when I stand up here and say, we 
have the obligation, the responsibility, the possibility, and the probability of changing our part of Jackson County and our part of middle America. When I say that, it's like, go for it, preacher, you're sounding good. You don't believe it more than squat. But, but good, good job, good. And I appreciate the support, thank you. But let me tell you this. What we are and what we have is more than enough when it is given completely into God's hand. It is more than enough. If Jesus can take this pitiful little lunch up against these thousands of people who haven't eaten all day, it's going to, it, he can do it. Let's stay together here. So what did he do? He took it, took this lunch. He did not say, can't you find me something better to work with? Is this it? That's not what Jesus said. You know, I can hear me saying, what am I supposed to do with this? Look. And I sort of feel that way when I look at me and you and I look at the need. But don't, don't panic just yet. Because Jesus looked at it through these kingdom eyes. You know what this was? This was a little piece of cloth like you used to see tied on the end of a stick. And a little kid had it over his shoulder and he's running away from home. <laughs> Only it was smaller. I mean, it was, just a, it, was, it was five little pieces of pita bread. That was a loaf. And, and some little fish that were salted. And uh, they were bad, I'm sure. But anyway. And they folded up like that. It's in a little cloth and it's been tied. And mom had him tied on to something around his middle or however he carried it. So this little kid brings his lunch. And I'm telling you, folks, I'm, I'm with the disciples. This is pitiful. I mean, if it weren't you asking for it, I would deny that we have anything if this is all we had to bring. What, what will this do with so many. And you know what Jesus says? Ah, perfect. I'll take it. You don't believe that, do you? You think that you need to go to Bible school and get a good theological grasp of the scripture, study apologetics. You need to hit uh, Pastor Dennis's library and and uh, get, get his best stuff and learn all of the apologetics so that when all, any question that comes up and you're, you're trying to help somebody, any question comes up, you have a good, sound, logical, straight line, logical uh, answer. And you know what Jesus says? Come on over here. Come on over here. Just bring what you have, who you are, and Come. He'll take it. If it's a lunch, if it's a life, if it's a hurt, if it's a sin, if it's a future, we have so many things that we see beyond the ability to help. And he took the lunch. And here is the first thing after asking for it and just accepting it. The first thing he did was bless it. 
hey, Jesus wants what I have and what I am and wants to bless it. Sign me up for that. He took it and blessed it. That which is surrendered to Jesus is blessed. It is just blessed. Plan on it. I know that some of you have tried this in the past. You struggled along with financial problems and you messed around and messed around and finally got enough faith and it, and it raised up enough grit and determination in you to try tithing. And, and you did, as scary as it was. And you've never stopped. You don't have nerve to stop. It's like I, uh, I have tithed forever and ever, and uh, I was thinking about that one day, and I thought, <laughs> not in this life. I'm chicken. I'm not going to go without the blessing of God. And so you, I can hear you say, well, what if we just, just deposited $10 million and you can have all of this dollars, $10 million, not $10 million grains of sand or something wonderful. You can have all this if you won't tithe. And I'd say, $10 million against <laughs> the wealth of the universe? I don't think so. Now, you think I'm crazy, some of you, but you don't believe God because there's a bunch of you that are on the inside. You're going, yeah, 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 yeah. Because you have tried and tasted and seen that the Lord is good. So he took it and he blessed it. And then he broke it. And that's when everything gets really quiet when I'm preaching. We start talking about breaking. Ouch. By the way, you need to tell your emotions not talk so loudly because I heard it just a minute ago when it said, oops. And you know why we would say ouch is because our flesh hasn't, hasn't moved into the full paradigm of the kingdom of God because the perspective of brokenness is another promise. It's like bring what you have and give it to the Lord and it'll be blessed. You know, it's like, oh, I'm, sign me up for that promise. I'm okay with that promise. But then the next step is the breaking of the stuff that we bring to him is a blessing also. And if all we pursue is a blessed life, we will never be able to release the power to feed the multitude. Jesus blessing this pitiful little lunch, it was still a pitiful little lunch. Blessed. And when Jesus blesses you, you're blessed. But here it is, and the people are still hungry. And when he broke it, that's the secret. That's the secret of feeding the multitudes is when we say, God, I, I want to be blessed. I need your blessing. But, but can you just take me and pour me out? Whose feet do you want me to wash today? I had an interesting thing not that long ago a neighbor that I don't have any personal respect for called me. The reason I don't have any respect for him is because I've watched his life. And uh, he had some complaints. 
people that have done some work for me uh, did something he didn't like. And I said, well, I'll speak to them. And I wanted to say, Turkey, take that phone and shove it up your nostril. I don't give a rip about what you, now that's what I felt like, okay? You never felt that? You're not only got the same evil that I do, but you lie about it too. And so I said, well, I'll, I'll see to that. Oh, I'm sorry about that. I'll see to that. Why? Because he deserved it. Well, on the surface, no. But Jesus died for him. And I'm not about to do anything that will get between him and the cross of Jesus Christ because he needs it. He claims to be saved and he doesn't have a clue because his life is just lived on the level of the flesh and he's a jerk. And, and most of our neighbors are just wonderful, but he, he could move away and we would miss it like you do a migraine. Um, and you see, if I don't get him saved, he's going to go to hell or somebody. Somebody's got to get a hold of this guy. And Jesus paid for more than for him to go to hell. And so whether I like it and would like to replace the position of that receiver or not is irrelevant because Jesus is invested in him and he will be lost if Jesus doesn't get him and bless him and then move him into the breaking. And with the kind of drive that he has, and he's got some really good stuff, uh, his work ethic is great. If, with that kind of drive, he'll be, a, he'll be an, uh, an asset to winning the lost in our part of the world. Or maybe I'd get lucky and the Lord had sent him overseas. No, I'm sorry. That's, <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I lose my focus there. But you see, we are called to surrender who we are and just let it be broken. And if that's the worst breaking I have, oh, praise God, I'll take it because it was nothing. But you see, brokenness can come at any time. Phone ring, have some. Um, or the phone not ring and it's a breaking for you. A medical report, um, whatever, we must surrender who we are and, and give to him all that we are. And then he, he will take it and break it and work it together for our good. It just blows my mind that God can take the bad stuff that happens and form more of Jesus Christ in me. My heart cry for a long, long time. As a kid preacher, I, I got this in me and it's still there. I want to be like Jesus. I don't want to just go through this thing and be kind of a good guy. We don't need good guys. We need people that are representatives of Jesus Christ, carry his love, carry his power, carry all the stuff that he has and is. And they all things work together for good, for the good of those who love God. The all things. Now we know that, you know, the big, big rays or the big uh, somebody. You got any rich folks in your family? Maybe they died and left you more than you expected. We don't have any rich folks. It's kind of scary on our side. But anyway, um, 
You know, we, we look for all of that. But what the, what the Lord wants is, here is this good, and, and that can work together for good, and, and it can, although blessings sometimes are almost a curse. But the bad stuff, the bad stuff, and that's going to work together for good? Yes, because God intends to make you look like me. The next verse there in Romans 8 says, um, the ones that he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed. You got to be morphed, changed into the image of the oldest brother in the family, the only begotten son of God. And he will bring that forth. And I, that's, that's pretty exciting to me. Now, I don't like bad stuff. And you know that I'll complain and whine around and wimp. And uh, I'm not above using the microphone to do it. You know that about me. However, God loves me so much. Or said another way, he loves his firstborn so much that he's willing to go to all that trouble to get another one that looks like him. That's a way to see that. He really loves his son. And he includes you in that and will do all of this work in you so that he can have two of, of these sons, daughters. There's not any gender business here. So here's what I want to say to us. I can keep my life and I can live it for myself. But it'll never change the world. The hungry people surrounding me will never see the miracle. But if I surrender who I am and what I have to God's hand and allow him to put the pressure on me, even break me, then the miracle of multiplication will begin. And if Jesus can take this pitiful little lunch and feed 5,000, he can take our pitiful little lives and just turn a community toward the Lord. Amen. He can do it. Amen. It is not weakness on his side. It is hesitation on our side. It is fear. It is unbelief. We are comfortable. Man, I love my life. My house has central heat and air. And I used to have a wood-burning fireplace, but now I have one I can flip a switch on. And it's much preferred. I know it's not very pure for you purists, but it's a cozy fire. And uh, when I'm done with it, I just turn the switch off. I know you think that's pretty wimpy. Now you know. <laughs> we love that. But God intends to get something more than my comfort. Jesus did not go to the cross so that I could be in the middle class of, of the culture in the United States of America in the 20th and 21st centuries. That's not why Jesus went to the cross. He went to the cross to save every stinking rebel in this country. He bought them, and it is up to us to finish the work that he started. And we, Jesus did all of, the, all of the redemption. That's all finished, but they're not saved yet. And Paul said, I fill up in my body that which was lacking of the sacrifice of Jesus. And that meant just go tell them and work with them until they get it. And I call you today 
to love God and love others. It'll cost you breaking. We look at breaking as the dividing and less than. But if it's broken by the Lord, it takes us into multiplication more than enough. And to live a life of impact, let's let that kingdom principle apply here. I don't know how to tell you to be broken. The Lord will take care of that. But when it comes, just say, okay, God, this hurts like the Dickens. Let's don't waste it. Let's get all of Jesus out of this that we can. Let's squeeze it dry so that the Son of God can be seen here and the power of God can be released in my house, my neighborhood, my job, my community. May we pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bring to you these dear...